Hey friends, Robert Imbriali here. Thank you so much for joining us today. Another edition of Coach's Corner. Today we're gonna do something a little bit different. Normally it's just me doing kind of a monologue, but I thought being that we're in some pretty interesting times right now, I thought it'd be really good to talk about what's going on with your kids. So stay tuned, we've got a great show planned for you. All right, welcome back. My guest today is none other than the amazing Scott <laughs> Feld. Scott has been working with kids for the better part of the last 25 years of his career. He's a CEO now of a company called Minds in Motion, and uh, he's really helping kids be empowered. Uh, one of the pieces that is missing, I think, from schools these days is that, that training. I mean, when I went through my training, I was like, I was thinking about this. It's like, why don't we teach this stuff in schools? Well, he's now doing that and he's working with a lot of schools locally here in California. Welcome, Scott. Thank you so much and hope to work with many, many more. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So what's going on? Uh, if we take a look at um, society, if we know what's happening in society right now and, and certainly over the past 18 months, right? Kids have been not in school. Not in school. They've been home. Yeah. And there's some good things about that. There's some not so good things about that. I want to talk about that a little bit today. Uh, you know, one of the things that really sparked me a couple of weeks ago was that I heard uh, another 16-year-old uh, contemplating suicide. And two weeks before that, there was another 14-year-old contemplating suicide. And I'm just like, 14 years old contemplating suicide? How? Why? What is going on in your life at that age, um, you know, where you get to that point where you'd be thinking about this, right? Yeah. And it really sparked me to say, okay, we've got to do something. Let's do a, a public service. Uh, there's nothing for sale here. Uh, just, just talk about this topic that um, probably needs to be talked about more than ever because the numbers are showing that uh, kids are in trouble. Yeah. Kids uh, are really in trouble. Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, getting to them before they get to that suicidal point, I think, is really the key, and it's what... Um, I'm mostly doing, and that is giving them tools early on. They start feeling a little sad. They start feeling um, anxious, frustrated, upset. They don't really know what to do with their emotions, um, and that's where I come in. And that's where my program comes in, and it's, here, let me show you. Here's some tools, right, so you can stand in your own power. And as you and I were talking before, it's more about how they respond. You know, kids feel like they don't have any power. It's always coming at them, coming at them, coming at them. And uh, what I love is that the second they get it, where it's like, wait, my power is in how I respond. That's who I am, right? And then as they grow up, they do get to make their own choices. But given the right base earlier on, those are gonna be better choices, choices that empower them. So that's what I wanna stand for. Yeah, and, and I think right now more than ever they, they need that. If you're looking at uh, you know, this, this idea that we can have our kids at home all the time, uh, they're missing that ability to socialize. Yeah. Right? And socializing is not social media. Uh, it's uh -huh. not at all the same thing. And social media, in fact, can be more harmful uh, to kids than, than good, as you know. I'm not telling you anything you haven't heard before. <laughs> um, so, you know, let's talk about some of the challenges that they're facing when they're at home, they're not around their friends. Um, you know, we say, okay, during this summer, 2021, maybe things are a little bit better. Maybe they get to see their friends a little bit. But, you know, if we're starting to look at the news, we're getting the new Delta variant coming up now. And it looks like they'll be masking. There looks like there's possible that they're going to be shutdowns again. 
lockdowns. Kids may be uh, another year at home. Um, hoping it doesn't go that way, but it's looking that way. So how do we be prepared? And, and really, that's the conversation I want to have today is how do we prepare them? How do we protect them? Uh, and really be able to support them in a way that they're not getting uh, by sitting in front of a computer screen watching a Zoom call all day long. Right? Yeah, well, it's a, you know, it's a funny thing as you were saying that. I'm thinking, you know, we protect them with masks. Right, but we don't protect them with any kind of like mindset tools. And one of the things I've been hearing a lot as I talk to teenagers is that they're the big fears are going to be alone. So they haven't been with their friends like in a really long time. And some of those friends are going back to the school. Some of those friends are going to continue staying home because now there's a choice in a lot of schools. And so who are my friends? And when I go back to school, who am I going to hang out with? And what's it even going to feel like? And if we're all wearing masks, what's that going to be like? So many questions. And these are things that no one's ever dealt with in you know, any lifetime around now. And so it's, what do you do? How, how do we help these kids? Because it's uncharted territory. And so we have to go back to arming them with some powerful mindset tools so that they can think positive and the outside, whatever it is, because you said, we don't know what's going to happen. Are we going to go back to mass? Are we going back to homeschool? Are we going back to lockdowns? Like, we don't know. And so because we don't know, we can't just have kids and ourselves, really, and parents just be at the effect of whatever comes next, whatever comes next. They have to be able to create from their inside how they're going to react, how they're going to respond and do it powerfully and be able to make decisions for themselves and be able to feel um, confident in what they're deciding. Um, that's their self-esteem. That's what we have to grow it from. You talked uh, about masks early on, and I think yeah. that's, a, that's an important one. Our faces have 250 muscles, right? A lot of the communication between human beings is nonverbal. And when you put a mask, you really blot out three quarters of that. And it just makes it harder. You could see if you go to the stores, you, you, when we were all masked, right? And you could see that people are less friendly when they have a mask on. They're anonymized very much like when they're driving, right? People cut you off and they do, but they wouldn't do that in real life because you could see them. Yeah. But when they're in the car, I mean, it's a different story. And I found that the same thing was happening with masks. And I can only imagine what it's like for the kids to be masked right. and not being able to have that nonverbal communication. 55% of our communication is nonverbal. You yeah. don't recognize that. 55% of our ability to communicate with you is, is nonverbal. You're watching me do hand gestures and <laughs> facial expressions and so on and so forth. You're getting a lot more information than just the words that we're saying. Yeah. So. We all became really good at like reading the eyes, didn't we? We did. We did. <laughs> that person's mad. <laughs> that person's smiling with their eyes. And sometimes you can see, you know, they're smiling above their mask and you can see a little bit, but it's, it's much harder. It's much more difficult. And I, I think for the kids too that um, they never get, they never see, seen this before. This is new for them yeah and now they're they're thrust into you know it's already hard enough being a teenager we know we were there we did that right and, yeah. and we know how difficult it is and you're growing and they're growing at a different rate and you're you're not as strong as them they're taller they were they were shorter last year and now they're taller mm, yeah. than you and there's all this pressure going on uh, about who are they going to become what their skills are you know who can run faster than the other and, and yeah. all of that and now we add this extra layer of stuff where we keep them separated and then when they're together they're masked you can understand it's challenging we talked before about the uniqueness of kids and how, yeah. you know, if every, we kind of said if every kid wanted to be a doctor, like who would farm and who would take care of, uh, you know, the animals as a veterinarian or, you know, who would act? We couldn't yeah. see movies. So 
the masks take, take away some of that uniqueness, right? And they've got unique in their masks <laughs> a little bit, you know, because <laughs> they want to be unique. Yeah. And I think that's a big missing, you know. First of all, in growing up, I think you always were like, oh, I want to be like that person. Right. And you can't be like that person. You have to be yourself with maybe some of the same attributes. Model yourself after. If they're a really good athlete, I want to be a good athlete. Not, I want to be that person. And I think that um, right now they're having a lot of trouble with this, um, like, you, not being together. Who am I in the world? Because if you're only alone, like, in your own little box in your room and on your Zooms, who am I in the world? And so, again, just another thing none of us had to deal with. Um, we were out there. We saw the football players. We saw it. We saw the athletes. We saw the um, people getting good grades, and we compared ourselves and da 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 da. And it's like, where where is that? I think yeah. it's an important part of socialization. It's a that. it's a huge part, and yeah. I think it's really challenging. It, you know, like I said, adds another layer on top, right. and it's not just the kids. Now, where I want to take this is, I want to know. I want to talk to the parents as well, because your parents. You know, all of us at our age and, and uh, younger are struggling with everything that's going on. We don't know how to operate in this. We, this is unprecedented times. We've been hearing that word for, you know, a year and a half now. But it really, it's true. We, had, we don't know how to navigate it. And what's happening is we as parents, and I'm not a parent, but you are. I am. And uh, yeah, I see a lot of parents who are struggling to keep it together and keep food on the table and keep their job. And do I get vaccinated? Do I not get vaccinated? You know, what store is open? What store is not open? And, and you know, we're, we're starting to see issues now with supply chain and, you know, will there, will there be food? Will there not be food? We've got all these daily worries. And what I see happening a lot of times is the parents are not paying attention to the kids. And the kids' cry for help is very quiet sometimes, right? It's not always very loud. They're not adult. They don't know how to deal with the emotion because they're not taught that. And when they start feeling the crush of the emotion and they start feeling stressed out and they start feeling less than and, you know, they're not socializing with their friends, they really don't have any outlet for it. And then that's when the trouble starts. Yeah. So it's incumbent upon parents now to really start looking at uh, those signals because they're there. And these, these two uh, people that, uh, you know, these two teenagers that were, you know, suicidal, literally, it really was when I looked at the situation, what was going on, the parents had no time. Mm. So the kid was trying to say something. And what they said was, I can't be bothered with this right now. I've got all this other stuff I'm dealing with. Life is very complicated. Yeah. It's, it's more complicated for us now than it's ever been. And we have even less time and less patience. Sometimes all the kid needs is, mom, can you listen to me for five minutes? Right? Yeah. And when mom doesn't have the time, then what? Well, I mean, I, speaking even from my own parenting, and my, my son's young, he's five and a half, but it's like sometimes when they go off and they're not around you, it's like, oh, okay, good, I can like get some stuff done. But when they are teenagers and they're a little bit older, I mean, my son's playing with Legos and it's all good, or he's coloring, but when they're teenagers and they're older and they go off, what are they doing, you know? Like, what are the parents, the parents are just um, kind of relieved. They have that moment, right? And so they don't go watch their kids. But in that moment, it would be the perfect time to be, hey, what are you doing? You playing a video game? Tell me about it. I want to, you know, what do you do down here? Show me, right? That would be such a great connection. Just that could have them not get to the point where they want to commit suicide. And they don't feel so alone. That seems so simple. Yeah. Has to say it here. Yeah. But when you take it into context of, yeah. of being a parent and, and, you know, mom and dad both working and work is uncertain. You don't know if you're going to have a job, if you're going to be shut down, locked right. out. Who knows whatever's going on. It becomes difficult. And what we normally do, and I see a lot of parents do this, is we say, um, 
I've got this other thing that's real important. I need to pay attention to it. You know, go amuse yourself. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Go play your video games. Yes. Turn on the Xbox, and I won't see you for a few hours. And we talked about um, that problem. Yeah. With, you know, social media is a challenge. We know that. I guess you guys know that as well. But video games also, major problem. Yeah. Talk about it, because you you and I, we had the conversation earlier yeah. about what they're getting when they're in video games and who they're connecting with that you don't necessarily know. Yeah. Right? So I, I always say in my courses that, you know, video games, because I don't want to alienate the kids from hearing the listening, and I found out early on, if I'm like, you shouldn't play video games, or video games are bad, the rest of anything I said was like this. <laughs> so I realized that, and actually, I didn't believe it. I used to play Atari when I was a kid, just aged myself, and it was fun. But here's the thing. If, it, if it's a fun thing that you're doing as, as part of a fun life, and maybe doing it with family, the family Wii tournament, whatever it is, right? That's cool. But what's really happening out there for the most part is what you said. They're escaping down into the basement or in the dark room, their bedroom, whatever. They're putting on their headphones and their microphone and they're talking to other people. Now, why are they there? Well, they're, they're escaping from something. They wanna yeah. get away from the stresses of their life, how their life feels. And they're talking to other people who are doing the same thing. We don't know. If they're saying to each other, hey, you know this game we're playing where we're killing people? Maybe we should do that. Wouldn't it be cool if we did that? Like, wouldn't that be better? Or why don't we just kill ourselves? I mean, I, I don't want to get too dark here, but they're talking to other underachievers. And maybe they're talking to someone who's a really good video game player. And he's saying, you know, you should kill yourself. And they're like, oh, I wonder if I should because that's how it can happen. That's how that brain works. So it's so important that we do get involved. I mean, we say it's hard, not easy, but just think if five minutes of a parent just going, you know, if I build Legos with my son for five, for five minutes, he's really happy, daddy, daddy, that was so cool, right? I think it's the same. That's the call out for help. That's the quiet call for help, right? And it's the one that we all miss. Right, as parents, yeah. so we, see it, we see it all the time, parents just miss it. And after something happens, the kid's addicted to drugs, they're addicted to sex, they're not taking care of themselves anymore, or worse, you know, they commit suicide, the parents will always say, you know, I saw the signs, but I didn't pay attention to them. Yeah. They'll always say that. Yeah. So they're there, they're subtle. In, in that age group, they are very subtle. I'll give you a quick story. There was a 14-year-old, yeah. uh, we went to Starbucks, and uh, he ordered his uh, coffee, and he ordered three additional shots of espresso. 14 years old, four shots of espresso. How much caffeine is that? Through the roof, it's like five or 600 milligrams, mm, crazy. crazy. And so, mother didn't think anything of, ah, no big deal, you know, that's just the kid, that's what the kid does. And I red flagged for me because I said, that's substance abuse, that kid's gonna have problems with drugs. Four years later, you. addicted to heroin. Yeah. Right? I, I mean, so the signs are there. Sometimes you don't see them, sometimes in hindsight you see them. I saw that one immediately, I said something, I was ignored, you can't do anything, I'm not the parent, right? right? And sure enough, that kid went exactly where I thought he would go, you know? Oh, he, he so there's a, the after story. Oh yeah, he, oh. Went, he went to became a heroin addict, oh. addict yeah. yeah. Yeah, okay. And tried to commit suicide several times. So what was the substance abuse about was exactly like the video game, I'm escaping something, I've got a problem in life, and in his case it was anxiety and no one's paying attention to him, and yeah. oh, it's just all in your head, it's whatever, it's like, 
yeah, but it's got to be solved if it's in his head. You know what I mean? That's a time for counseling, therapy, whatnot. Yeah. Um, you can't ignore that kind of stuff. Well, Robert, it made me think of this, right? It made me think of what do parents do when their kid's like, I want the coffee with the three espresso shots, or I'm going to go play video games. The parents go, no, you can't do that. And the kid goes, I'm doing it anyway. Or they do it behind their back, right? Which creates even a bigger wedge. Yep. So it's a very simple little twist of how to talk to your kids. It's not, don't do that, right? First of all, the espresso thing, that built up to three shots. That wasn't like he was eight and he went, I want three espressos, right? <laughs> That's a whole nother thing before that. But let's just talk about the video games. Like, oh, I don't want you to play video games that much. And they're like, I'm gonna play video games. And the argument ensues. Instead of just going, oh, you're gonna play video games? I have five minutes, I'd love to go play with you. Show me what you do down here, I wanna get connected with you, right? I think that would just make the biggest difference in the world it for would. those kids. And what I would also suggest is before they get to the four espresso shots, right? Yeah. <laughs> before they get there, you can see there's something building up to it. And there was, there was, there was clear signs that there was a problem, yeah. and they weren't dealt with. Yeah. You know, the sooner you can slay the monster, the easier, yeah. right? When the monster's just a little <laughs> embryo, it's very easy to kill it versus when it's, you know, Godzilla at 800 pounds, it's harder. And I think that's when a lot of parents recognize there's a problem when they've got the 800 pound gorilla to deal with and, and you know, it, it's much more difficult. So paying attention, looking at those little things and, you know, giving them the time, giving them the attention, sitting with them, finding out what's going on. Um, one tool that is really good is uh, to give them a notebook in my journal. Yeah. I got on Amazon and I found three of these. It was like under $20. You can get these, uh, these journals, give it to them. Don't read it. It's not your job <laughs> to read it, but allow them. It's, it's a little bit like having a counselor um, without having a counselor. Yeah. Right? They can write down their thoughts, their feelings, or whatever, and let them put it away, hide it, lock it up, put it somewhere where no one's going to look at it. And it goes a long way to helping them because oftentimes the emotions are in there. They're trapped and they can't get them out. They don't know where to, who to yeah. talk to. Who do you talk to? Do I talk to my friends who are having the same problems? well, guess what? You're not solving anything there. You're just creating more of it because that's where the focus is. It has to come out. In yeah. some way, it's got to come out. It's going to come out you know, either destructively or constructively. And you can help them a lot by just giving them tools where they can get those emotions out constructively. Yeah, they right? can release it. And, and yeah. I think if they get the right, just again, it seems simple, but it, it also, inside of all the things that everybody has to do, the parents and everything, it gets lost. Yeah. And that is really let it out, like, you know, brain dump or heart dump and soul dump, whatever it is that's bothering you, what's in there, but also inside that journal, you know, next to it, write what you love, what you want, what do you want to do, what's important to you? Because if you don't have a parent, if you can't, I mean, if you can't say to your parents for whatever you've made up that you can't say to your parents, I think almost all the parents out here would be like, I'd love to hear my kids say that, but whatever they made up about why they can't say it, or it's too goofy to say to your friends, you know, what I really love, you know, and they're like, oh, you, you know, whatever. <laughs> Inside of that book, it's the same. Writing it out creates it for you, right? Yeah. And then even in secret, you can start going towards something. And I always talk about kids are a lot of times escaping. The espresso was a buildup of escapes, mm -hmm. right? Yeah and probably staying up playing video games and they were so tired and then they had like, oh, I gotta stay awake to do my test or study or whatever. It just built one upon the other, you know? But we talk about moving towards something. If they have this journal, which is such a great idea, 
they can write out what they're moving towards, right? Getting rid of what they is not uh, helping them, not carrying them, and write out what they want, and then action steps. Yeah, so what we're, what we're really talking about is they need a support network, which they don't have right now with yeah. the school system the way it is. Um, oftentimes, teachers will spot these patterns and be able to raise a red flag with the parents and yeah. say, hey, you know, you've got something going on here. Um, they're not in school. That's not going to happen through a Zoom call. The teacher is struggling with all the technology and, and you know, you've got all these little postage stamp size uh, videos of all the kids. Some are great, some are not great. You can't, you can't, you can't get any information there. Um, that might be okay for adults to learn, but I really think it's really detrimental for kids to be yeah, in that situation. I, I don't think it helps them at all. Yeah, I agree mm -hmm. with you. I mean, and if it continues you know, so much longer and that becomes their new norm, I mean, getting back to what humans really need is going to just yeah. get harder and harder for them. Yeah. And there's going to be more and more problems. Well, it's, it is a time in life when we learn how to socialize. We learn how to be yeah. social. We learn how to make new friends. Um, and we learn to lose friends. We learn that, you know, people don't like me anymore. And then we go through all that learning. And it's not easy. It's certainly difficult. Uh, you know, and if you take all that away and then... You push them through, you graduate everyone, because, uh, you know, it's, it's COVID, you know, it's Zoom calls, do the best you can, give everyone a passing grade. You're pushing them along, but they don't have these skills. So then they're out in the real world, and then what happens? You know, they don't have these skills, they don't know how to socialize, and then they go for the job interview, and, and they're sitting there looking at the ground, and, you know, they're asking the question, oh, yeah. oh. You know, it's like they don't have the ability to communicate um, effectively. But they're really good at Zoom. Yeah. They're really good at Zoom. Yeah. They're really no. good at Zoom, which, yeah. which is a challenge. Okay, let's look at some of the warning signs because parents are saying, okay, I got this. I got the <laughs> idea that I got to look. What are some of the yeah. warning signs we have? Um, I found an article online that I thought was kind of interesting. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it just, it just gives away uh, that, maybe eight or, eight or nine different ones. Um, one is talking or joking about committing suicide. You know, they, they can joke about it. Uh, really, I don't think healthy people talk about it and joke about that kind of thing. I think we take that seriously, right? But if they're joking about it... Well, I think it's an attention grabber. It's yeah. saying, hey, um, over here, I, there's something wrong, something's going on with me. Well, suicide is a cry for attention, a yeah. cry for help, right? Yeah. So all human communications either cry for love or, or, or a loving response or a cry for help, right? So we look at it and we say all of these things are, are exactly that, a cry for help. Absolutely. We don't hear them because we're so darn busy. We yeah. don't hear them, and that's where the problems come in. So if they're talking or joking about it, don't take it. Like, ah, hey, he's just joking, no big deal. Just making a joke, Mom. Um, you may want to stop and pay a little bit more attention there. Well, I think the natural response <clears throat> for parents is don't talk like that. Yeah. You know, yeah. that's not a good way to talk. Yeah. Well, wait but a minute. But that's sweeping it under the rug, isn't it? That's <laughs> it sweeping it under the rug. That's not dealing with it. And that yeah. what they're asking you is, I need help here. I'm struggling. Yeah. So you don't want to sweep it under the rug. Good yeah. point. No. Good point. Um, saying things like, I'd be better off dead. I wish I could disappear forever where there's no way out. That's hopelessness. That is right? hopelessness, yep. And that's just part of not having something that they're moving towards and just being at the effect of life coming at them. And being at home all the time, yep. um, sitting in front of a computer and, and pretending that they're learning. Um, they're not. Uh, the learning is not the same uh, at all. Uh, you, can't, you, can't, you can't even begin to compare it. And they, they get to the point and they say, what's the point of this? Yeah. What's the point of this? Yeah. You know, I think kids were saying that before, and now it's so much bigger. It's amplified. Be amplified, right, because they don't really know what the point of it is anyway, right? Mm -hmm. Especially when they're younger, like the tween age. Like, I have to go to school, and I have to get these good grades, and I know one girl, um, actually my partner in this company, his daughter, he, she said, 
you know, I, I feel like I can't fail. Like if I make one mistake, I'm not gonna be successful in life. I mean, that she's 11. That wow. is, that's heavy stuff, which means not sure how to deal with failure. So trying to avoid it at all costs, that's stressful. Right, I mean, what if we lived like that? I mean, I know adults couldn't, do, we but we couldn't, yeah, right? Yeah. We would get nowhere. We wouldn't try anything new. We'd be paralyzed, right, in action. And this is how life occurs to them. So there's so much stress, so much everything. So, yeah, I, I don't know what brought that up, but I mean, that's something that definitely is going <laughs> on out there. <laughs> it really is. They put a lot of pressure on themselves because yeah. they got to perform. And, and sometimes that pressure comes because you're disassociated from everybody else. Yeah. You know, if you were in a class and everyone was talking about how hard it was, you wouldn't feel so bad. But if you're at home and you're feeling, my gosh, this is so hard, but you don't know everyone else is feeling the same way, you feel like you're isolated. That's which such, is, that's such a, a good point, yeah. yeah. And, and I know what brought it up. It was, what is it all for? Yeah. What you said. yeah. And there's no way out. That's the yeah. other one that they say. Yeah. Um, speaking positively about death or romanticizing dying, if I died, people might love me more. You know? Yeah. That one's pretty obvious. I think, I think most parents would catch that one. Yeah, I, th yeah. I would hope so. You know, the one thing is the video games and the movies, right? Video right. games and movies are great, but if all you're seeing is like death and people dying and it's romanticized, it's starting to look better than your life, you know, and that's a problem. It's a problem if your life has gotten to that point where that looks better. Yeah. And, and there's no communication in between that right. says, you know, this is... And that's where, yeah, you know, a teacher, a guidance counselor, uh, you know, a coach, uh, anybody that they would normally interact with, and they're not interacting with them, it just becomes a lot harder. Yeah. Um, so they engage in reckless behavior or having lots of accidents resulting in injury, oh. sometimes even self-injury, right? Maybe cutting themselves, they may be doing things like that. I've seen that one a lot, too. Yeah, and that's another experience. Cry for help. You yeah, know, cry for help. Get her. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, giving away their prized possessions. Oh, imagine that. That um, I love this video game so much, mom, that I give it to my friend. Yeah, yeah. And again, you're saying these are signs to look out. These for. These are signs so, to look out for. So yeah, when you see that happening, you know it's a cry for help. And yeah. you know, again, that's what we're looking to do. Um, saying goodbye to friends and family as if for the last time. You know you're pretty far down the line, I think, when, when that's happening. That, that cry for help is pretty loud. That, that is. Point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And that's I'm just... intervention time. That's the time where you got to, you know, drop everything. This is more important than anything right now. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah. And I was just trying to envision, like, seeing a teenager do that and what that would look like. I actually haven't seen that up close. But, um, yeah, a couple of these I'm seeing for the first time, and that's crazy to yeah. me. Crazy. But they're good signs, right? They're, yeah, um, I mean, great. Yeah. Seeking out weapons, pills, or other ways to kill themselves. So a lot of times teenagers will go in the medicine cabinet and steal mom and dad's prescriptions and they'll, you know, trade off all the pills because they're all different colors and they'll just keep taking stuff. They're playing Russian roulette. Yeah. They don't know what these pills are. They don't know what they're going to do. Uh, and you see that behavior a lot. It's, it's scary. And if they're to that point, it's, it's they don't know what they're going to do. They don't care. They don't care. And this is the problem is exactly right. They don't care. Yeah. You know, if I die... Yeah. You know, who cares? Yeah. Nobody loves me anyway is, is the feeling, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I, my life doesn't matter. I'm not important. And this happens a lot of times because the family unit is messed up. Mom and dad are both working and now working even harder uh, to keep things going. And, and they fall through the cracks. Yes. They literally fall through the cracks. And when we say messed up, we mean unbalanced. We all have some version of that. But when right. it gets super unbalanced, right. the kids yeah. are at the effect of it. They feel it. They definitely feel it. So you brought up a good point, and it's in this article as well, is focus on listening mm. 
rather than lecturing, mm -hmm. right? That's one of the things that parents will do is they'll lecture their kids. Don't play this many video games. Oh, it's going to be bad for you and this and that. They don't hear that. Yeah. In one ear, out the other, they don't hear it. Yep. So listening to them and really finding out what's going on, it's not about the video game. So if you focus the attention on the video game, that's not where the problem is. It looks like that's the problem because there aren't eight hours a day. That's the escape. What's yep. the problem that's leading them to want that escape? That's where you got to listen. Yeah, absolutely. And when you're saying that, you know, they don't hear when you're yelling at them, that's because the voice in their head is so loud saying she doesn't, or he, if it's dad, doesn't understand me. They don't know what I'm going through. Da, 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 da. They're listening to that inner yep. voice. That's why they can't hear this. Yep. And it just creates a bigger wedge. They're not even having a conversation with mom or dad about do, do they understand me? Hey, I don't think you understand me. Let's talk about it. They're talking to themselves and convincing themselves more and more how bad mom and dad are and how they have to get away from everything. Crazy. Yeah. That's what's going on. Crazy but true. And that's, what, that's true. what's happening. Um, be gentle but persistent. Yeah. So the idea of, of forcing them into a corner, probably not a good idea. You need a little bit more gentle. Um, and the reason there is because they need to trust you. Yeah. Right, And that's a big thing with parents because I don't have time for you, I don't have time for you, I don't have time for you. They don't feel like they can come to you with something because they don't feel they can trust you, yeah. that you're going to take them seriously. To them, it's the end of the world that they didn't get an A on their test or they didn't ace something else that they were doing. And to you, it might be, you know what? I didn't get a lot of A's growing up too. I didn't care, right? Yeah. For you, it might be nothing. For them, it might be the end of the world. So you got to be gentle and you really got to gain their trust. And this is, this is the one that I think a lot of parents will struggle with. So how do you get my kids trust? Yeah. Well, you got to come at it softly. You do. Right? Yeah. And, and I mean, that's a good point. Um, the story, you know, when I was a kid, they can re kind of relate and not see you as like this, you know, power adult who they're afraid of. Like they get the b bad grade. What yeah. do they want to do? They want to cover it up. They don't want to tell you in a lot of households because they have fear. And that's why they, you know, kind of get away from you. But if if it can be created where you said coming at it gentle and they know they can say, hey, I messed up, I got a bad grade and you're not gonna yell and scream and you know, pull out the old whip or whatever you, know, you do, <laughs> you're going to say to them, no good, right? I know you know it's no good, I know you don't want it. We, you know, I know you have bigger plans, whatever college or whatever, let's take care of this. What do you think was missing? What can we do together? I mean, that's just a beautiful relationship it is, and then helping them get that vision um, yeah. is a big thing. It's not taught in school, and that's the work that you do is really yeah. helping them get in touch with a bigger vision for their lives. It's like, so why am I doing all this? What does it matter? Where am I going? Um, you know, unemployment's really high. It's hard to get a job. Look, how, look at mom and dad struggling because they're just working their butts off to pay the mortgage every month, and they don't see beyond that sometimes, and they just see all the hardship, but they don't see the joy on the other side of it. So really being able to bring them that vision helps. Yeah, bringing them that vision and then on the other side of that, sometimes their parents are very, very successful and they feel like they could never ever be that, right? right? They don't see the line to get to that. But what they don't understand and what I love to teach and show them because they have aha moments is you're not supposed to know. All you <laughs> need to do is have a vision. What do you want? And then you'll see the first step and then the next step and the next step. See mom and dad's great success they didn't go from like, um, I'm 15 years old and I know exactly how I'm going to have, you know, the million dollar house and the great job, whatever it is they have. Yep. Yeah, they don't, they don't, yeah. they don't. And, that and that's, that's the thing too. It's like they have to live up to a certain standard 
I think each of us has a different standard to live to. Yeah. I really believe that. And, you know, uh, my standards are much higher than somebody else's standards, and that's okay. Uh, some people are much higher standards than I have, and that's okay. Right. And I think, you know, whatever it is that's important to them, Mom, Dad, I want to be a musician. And Mom and Dad go, oh, my God, no, right? Yeah. Um, but yet there are a lot of musicians who are very successful, very wealthy, uh, more wealthier than all of us put together in some respects, right? Absolutely. So you can't you know, discard their dream, whatever their dream is. Um, you know, a lot of us went through that as kids. You know, Mom and Dad didn't like what I wanted to do, so they were trying to force me to be something I wasn't, and that was never going to work, and it was guaranteed failure because I had no interest in it. Yeah. Right? I think the parents have to see the vision too for their kids. Yes, like they do. like I was teaching in a in a class the other day and one we were talking about what do you really want and this one um, boy said he wanted to be a concert violinist. And then he said we we said who who is somebody alive or dead that you look up to that has some of the traits you want. And he said Liberace. No, not Liberace. Excuse me. He said Beethoven. And we talked about Beethoven. And we talked about how Beethoven's deaf. And there's no way he should have ever been a musician, right? But he was following a path. And I was thinking, I don't know how these kids, I don't know if this kid's parents, so I don't know if they support her or they don't. But I was just imagining them sitting in the front row of the audience, watching their son who had followed the vision. And if at some point they were like, that's dumb, you'll never make any money, you should be an engineer, or you should be a lawyer, or whatever, how that would have been missed, like that moment yeah. there, you know? And I think that's important for everybody to like see their own kid's vision, put themselves into it. Like, how is this gonna feel for all of us? Well, it's overprotection, right? So what parents don't wanna see is they don't wanna see their kids fail. However, the more you fail, the more successful you become. People Absolutely. don't want to know this, Absolutely. but this is how it is. It works this way, right? Yeah. You don't want the kid to fall and scratch his knees on, on his bicycle. Let him scrap up, scratch up his knees. That's the way he's going to learn to be a really good bicycle rider, right? Yep. And we got to have them have these experiences. And a lot of times parents will not want them to have those and want them to be a chiropractor or a doctor or you know, whatever, which is kind of guaranteed they're going to be okay financially. But it may not be them. I used to work with lawyers. Um, as a consultant, and uh, I was in Queens, New York, and I would work with a lot of lawyers there. Not one of the lawyers was happy with their chosen profession. I said, why did you become a lawyer? Mom and dad forced me into uh -huh. it. They hated it. Yeah. And I came up with a theory, and I said, you know why lawyers charge so much? Because if they're gonna have to do work they hate, they're gonna, they're gonna get paid for it, right? And it really felt that way. And every one of them had a diff different dream. One wanted to be a basketball coach, one wanted, you know, it's, it was everything, they had everything but law. Yeah. on their mind. But mom and dad said, you be a lawyer, you're going to be okay financially. I had a roommate when we, when I was in my 20s and she was about $150,000 in student loan debt, maybe even more, to be a chiropractor. She became a chiro chiropractor for about six months. She hated it. Yep. She wanted to be a writer. She gave it all up. She went to some island, I can't even remember, and she became a writer. And I think, you know, filed bankruptcy or whatever it is that she did. But what a journey, right? And I think it was because uh, there was other family members that were chiropractors. Yeah. And it was just the, the safe path, you know? Yeah, you so it's getting all your way to success. Yeah, absolutely, you gotta get on board with it. Okay, um, you know, another thing you wanna do is acknowledge their feelings. Don't try to talk your teen out of depression. Uh -huh. uh, their feelings are important, and I know mom, dad, it takes time, right? It takes time to sit down with them and have these conversations, and you're so busy and you're so tired already from work. But honestly, if you're not gonna listen to them, who else is, <laughs> Yeah. right? And if they have no one to talk to, I mean, you, it's such a blessing, I would imagine, I'm not a parent, but it's such a blessing 
if your kids will actually trust you enough to come to you with their feelings and yeah, talk about these totally. things, right? Yeah, totally, I love that. And, and it's, it's, so it's like, oh, it's such a, yeah. The challenge is for most parents, we all went through school, we learned nothing about emotions, we learned nothing about feelings. It was all the logical side of the brain, right? It wasn't the emotional side. Our EQ is not yeah. important, but our IQ is everything, right? Yeah. And the challenge is we don't have those skills. Absolutely. So the question then would be, okay, if you don't want to do it, then you either have to learn the skills or find somebody who has those skills and bring them in, get a coach, get whatever um, for your kids. Yeah, because they right? exist. You can't they ignore exist. it. Yeah. You know, yeah. you can't ignore it at all. And, and about this feeling thing, just one quick point is, is that one of the things I see parents doing all the time, and I probably caught myself doing it as well, is like, you know, they're, they, they come to you with their feelings. You know, I'm kind of sad. What do you have to be sad about? You have a house, you have food, you have all this great stuff, we do all this. And all of a sudden, the parents go on this like rant of like, you know, and it does the opposite. Now the kid feels like, well, I can't come to you with my feelings or emotions because you're not gonna listen. You and by understand. the way, that response has nothing to do with kids, it has everything to do with parents. Yeah. Right, it has well. nothing to do with the kids whatsoever. It's like, you, you better be happy because look how hard I worked to create uh -huh. this. And what it feels like is, kid, you're not, you're not appreciating everything I've done for you. Yeah. Right, so that's a parent's issue coming through and the kid is getting slapped across the face for something that has nothing to do with him, yep. or him or her. So parents, yeah. kids can be sad and have it all. Yep. <laughs> Here's the one that I think is uh, missed by a lot of people. I, I have been using my intuition in coaching now for a better part of 20 years. I never knew I had it uh, until the very <laughs> first time I did a coaching session. I didn't know I was going to be a coach uh, until somebody walked into my life and they were suicidal and uh, I needed to get them out of it because in my mind there was no way that was going to happen. And all I did was trust my gut. I didn't have cerebral knowledge of how to deal with that. I'd never dealt with that before. But I learned to trust my gut and I've been doing that ever since. Uh, we talk about intuition a lot. Uh, men call it trusting their gut. Mm -hmm. Women will talk more about mm -hmm. intuition. Yeah. Um, it's real important to learn to listen to those, those uh, prompts, if you will. I yeah. guess the best way to call it, those, those intuitive prompts that come up and how to help your child because they need help. Right, and uh, you know, we want to. We want what's best for them. We want them to do better than we did in our life. We want them to be more successful. Uh, and sometimes it's hard to watch them fall off the bicycle, but you got to be able to do that. I yeah. Let go. No, absolutely. Yeah. And I think you know, teaching the kids to listen to their own intuitive voice as well yes. is really important because if they, I mean, there would be the voices, their voice going on all the way up, but let's just say they ignored it, ignored it, ignored it, and they got to that point where they're gonna take the pillar, the suicide. There is no doubt that voice in there going, don't do it, you don't really wanna do that, you know? And if they get good at listening to that, then they'll make a better decision than actually going through with it, and some lives will be saved. Would the voice come up hmm. if they knew for a fact, absolutely de facto, there was no question that mom and dad would listen, would care about them, and would be hurt if they did something to hurt themselves. Yeah, I mean. Right? It's not gonna go there. sure, yeah. Right? So that's what we call being, being in balance and having a, a great relationship. You know, you've been blessed with kids. Uh, <laughs> some of you may not think that sometimes, but <laughs> you've been blessed with them. And uh, you know, they, yes, I understand there's some tough moments. I've coached uh, many, many parents over the years. I've coached thousands of people one-on-one -on -one, uh, since I began coaching in 95. I've coached a lot of parents. And you know, I know, I know, I know it's difficult. I'm trying to give you this and say, I'm not giving it to you in a way I'm saying, this is just easy. You know, you're not yeah. doing it right because it's so simple. It's not simple. And if you need help with it, reach out. Yeah. Reach out, get a coach. There's so many coaches out there today. So many who have expertise in this area um, that can help you. 
My expertise is not, uh, I don't focus on, on parents so much anymore. I focus more on business. But my buddy Scott here um, does focus on the kids specifically. Yeah. And uh, he's building his company up uh, specifically to help kids be more inspired and be more motivated to find what it is their dreams are and help them take those first few steps forward toward creating a future for themselves that um, is amazing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, there's going to be kids who might have a baseline where they're just stuck and they're heading towards something. And, you know, this kind of life skills, this emotional, social intelligence can unstick them so that they can go get what they want in life. And then there's kids who are, you know, as we're talking about depressed, maybe suicidal, it can save lives if it just gets interrupted, right? Yep. And when I teach this stuff, like I interrupt it for these kids, right? We get like, we gotta break this <laughs> for them, you know, nothing soft there. And then it's soft. They know that they have a support system, you know? So break it up and then build it back up again the right way. Well, that's what Tony used to teach us. You want to go and change somebody, you gotta interrupt the pattern, right? The pattern that's going on there, yeah. gotta get in there and make that interruption. You can't make a change if they're stuck in that wheel. You've gotta break that, and then you have the opportunity to get in there and crack that open and, and do something different. Yep. This was really good. This was great. Thank you so much Thank for being you for here. Having I really me. appreciate it. Awesome. Good to have you. Thank You're gonna you. come back, I hope? Yeah. Yeah, we're gonna do this again. All right. So thank you guys for watching. I really appreciate it. If you uh, like this, please share it with your friends, your family, your followers. Let everyone know who is a parent who might be able to benefit uh, from the content we've shared here today. And I look forward to seeing you again on the next edition of Coach's Corner.